Well, good morning. Welcome again to New Hope Chapel Sunday morning praise and worship service. And of course, I welcome those of you online. Welcome to our worship. You'll notice that the title of my sermon is simply Profanity. I think you can tell from the music set that we are trusting that we will appreciate who Jesus is, who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, that we appreciate who they are by the names that they bear. And so profanity may be a very low-key sort of message. It's uh, not just a low-key, but it's not a Pentecostal outburst of energy. But I think it's a very, very important subject that we have to pay attention to. And if we look at our text, Exodus 20, verse 7, And it states, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Amen? Amen. I want you to walk with me through Psalm 1914 as I always do. And my prayer to God is that he accept my words. And my prayer for you is that he confirms in your heart that they're his. Amen. Father, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You know, a few years ago, Time Magazine reported an incident that took place in the state of Maryland. A truck driver had been arrested for drunk driving and then the resulting disorderly conduct. And when the police officers arrived, on the scene to arrest the man, he became very abusive and he began to use very filthy and profane language and he repeatedly took God's name in vain. And when the man was brought before the magistrate, he was fined $600 for drunk driving. But for some reason, he continued in the presence of the magistrate with his still using this profane, disturbing language. Now, the maximum penalty that the magistrate could impose for this disorderly conduct was a $100 fine and 30 days in jail. The man got that as well. But he wouldn't stop. The magistrate wanted them to throw the book at him, and he found an antiquated law still on the books in Maryland, which had never been repealed, that prohibited public blasphemy. And since this man had publicly blasphemed the name of God, the magistrate tacked on another $100 fine and an additional 30 days in jail. Now the newspaper, the Times News editor, was outraged. He was outraged at the treatment that this man received. He wasn't concerned about the penalty for the drunk driving or the penalty for the disorderly conduct. But he was outraged that a man would be fined $100 extra and given an additional 30 days in jail for cursing and blaspheming the name of God. He felt like constitutionally it was cruel and unusual punishment. Well, you know, that truck driver should be glad that he wasn't arrested and didn't go in front of the high priest Aaron. In the Old Testament, the best lawyer in Israel could not get a client simply a $100 fine and 30 days in the can. In Leviticus 24.16, the punishment for blasphemy was death. 
The question then, what is worse, drunk and disorderly behavior or publicly insulting the dignity of a holy God? You know, the Times News editor, he gave his answer. But I believe God has given a different answer. It's interesting to note that two of the Ten Commandments, the third and the ninth, deal with sins of the tongue. The third commandment deals with profanity. The ninth commandment deals with perjury. The third commandment deals with talking trash. The ninth commandment deals with telling the truth. The third commandment calls for holy language. The ninth commandment calls for honest language. Now the way a person verbally respects God tells you a lot about how he personally relates to God. The first commandment, as we know, deals with the necessity of God, and the second commandment deals with the nature of God. Now this commandment, verse 7, deals with the name of God. What is the name of God? And why does it require our reverence? You know, his name is more than simply God. In the Bible, you have over 950 more than names for God. As the Israelites were becoming more and more aware and more and more familiar, closer and closer to God, and they were learning more and more about him, they gave him more names. And so this morning, we're going to look at just very few of God's names to make the point. When God's name is profaned, all of the names, all that they mean, are profaned. First in your outline, consider the precious designation of God's name. You know, we don't take names, especially God's name, as seriously as it was taken thousands of years ago. When the Hebrews were transcribing the Bible, copying the word of God from one scroll to another scroll, a scribe would fast and pray before writing the name of God. He would bathe himself, and he would write the name of God with a new quill. And after he wrote the name of God, he would throw that pen away and burn it. His clothes would also then be burned. He would then continue to write. But once, when he came again to the name of God, he would go through the same ritual all over again. You know, there was a time, as I mentioned, that the, the name Yahweh was so holy that it could only be uttered once a year in the Holy of Holies by the high priest. And the Hebrews were so afraid of misusing the name that they just stopped. Or they, before that, went to just initials and you don't find the full name of God written out. Parents, in biblical times, would choose names from ordinary nouns and ordinary verbs of everyday language because then names were not just labels. They had meanings. In the biblical world, a person's name was a part of that person. It represented the inner core of that person, his very character and his, and his nature. And so the names of God likewise reveal something about the nature and something about the character of God. So first consider in your outline the letter A, the God of power. In Genesis 1.1 we are told, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The name here for God literally meant the strong, faithful God. 
It was the creator God who said, let us make man in our image. We were created by the God of power, the God who has power over life and death. And remember, that same God who lit the candle of your life can snuff it out in an instant. Therefore, it is dangerous to misuse his name. Secondly, consider the letter B, the God of preeminence. You know, there came a time when God wanted his people to know that not only was he their creator, but that he was their master. So he revealed to them another name, the the name Lord. In Hebrew, it is the word Adonai. And it means master, Jehovah Adonai. It indicates the relationship of a master to a slave. And as Lord, he deserves your absolute, your complete and total surrender and obedience. It is disobedience then to misuse the name of God. Then consider the letter C, the God of your possession, the God of possession. There's another name that is often used in the Bible of God, where he is called the Most High God. It is the Hebrew name Alion, Jehovah Alion. It has the thought of complete ownership. The Most High God is the possessor of heaven and earth. And when Abraham, for example, delivered Lot from some enemy kings, he brought back the spoils of battle and he turned them over to the king of Sodom. When the king of Sodom offered to let him keep the spoils in exchange for loyalty to him, knowing he can only serve one master, Abraham said, No, I have already raised my hand, his allegiance to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. God is not only the God of power who made us, he is the God of possession who owns us. Therefore, it is disrespectful to take the name of the Lord God in vain. And lastly, for this section, consider the letter D, the God of provision. You know, sometimes in the Bible we will read that God is called the Almighty God, In the Hebrew, it is El Shaddai. It means the all-sufficient one. God is not the only source of life. He is also the sustainer of life. You know, in the book of Proverbs, a man by the name of Agar asked the Lord not to give him poverty. He says in Proverbs 39, he doesn't want to be poor, lest he steal and profane the name of God. Now, how does stealing profane the name of God? Well, when a man steals, he is denying that the God of provision can meet every need that he has. Therefore, to be distrustful is to profane the name of God, because God's name is to be hallowed, God's name is to be honored, not only by what we say, but by what we do. And secondly, in your outline, consider the profane desecration of God's name. Our text states, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. How can we take God's name in vain? Let me suggest three ways. First, in your outline, the letter A, profanity. You know, often in an airport restroom, you will find crude and ugly graffiti. 
But someone wrote graffiti on a wall in an airport restroom that was somewhat profound. It said, damn is not God's last name. Now, if I may, I would like to explain this section as an attorney. Listen. One way for a modern American to begin to understand this commandment is to treat God's name as trademark property. And in order to gain widespread distribution for his copyrighted repair manual, the Bible, and also to capture a greater market share for his authorized franchise, the church, God has graciously licensed the use of his name to anyone who will use it according to his written instructions, the Bible. But it needs to be understood, however, that God's name has not been released into the public domain. God retains legal control over his name and threatens serious penalties against the unauthorized misuse of this supremely valuable property. And all trademark violations will be persecuted to the full extent of the law. And the persecutor, the judge, jury, and enforcer is God. Amen? You know, one of the ways you take God's name in vain is by profanity. The word profane comes from two Latin words. The word pro, meaning out of, and the word phanum, which means temple. So literally, it means to take out of the temple. In other words, it is when you take the name of God out of his holy temple and you drag it through the muck and the mire of this world. Listen. There is no other sin quite like this sin. Consider two thoughts. First thought, this is a revealing sin. The Bible says the man's mouth reveals a man's mind. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, a man speaks. Profanity reveals a rotten character. If a man's mouth is dirty, his heart is dirty. Sam Jones, the old Methodist evangelist, said, when I hear a man curse and swear, I lay hold of my pocketbook, for any man who will swear may also steal. It also reveals a weak, pathetic mind. When a man swears, I know that he has either a poor vocabulary or he's a poor communicator. Lord Byron once said of a friend, he knew not what to say, so he swore. Incidentally, we Christians would never think of using primary curse words we need to be careful, however, when using what I call second-hand curse words because they can easily lead to the real thing. heard about a little girl, to make my point, who was at her grandfather's house. And she stubbed her toe and said, Darn! Her grandfather said, Honey, if you will never say that word again, I'll give you a dime. Well, a few days later, she came back and said, Grandpa, I am so excited. I learned a word at school today that's worth a half a dollar. <laughs> Second thought, it's also a ridiculous sin. You know, with any other sin you commit, at least you get something in return. 
If you commit adultery, at least you fulfill your lust. If you steal, at least you have that which you stole. But in profanity, you get nothing in return except the judgment of God. If you get a flat tire and curse the tire, that doesn't put air in the tire. If you stub your toe in the dark on a chair, you curse the chair, that doesn't stop the pain. If you curse because you hit a bad golf shot, that doesn't put the golf ball back in the fairway. There is no reward in profanity. To use profanity is like baiting a hook with no bait. The only thing you incur is the wrath of God. And our text says, the Lord will not, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God remembers. One day, here on earth, you will answer for it. Then consider the letter B, perversity. Another way you can profane God's name is to take godly things lightly, to joke about things that are so sacred. But now there's nothing wrong with humor, but there is nothing funny about making sacred subjects the word, in the word of God and making that the butt of our jokes. Paul said in Ephesians 5.4, There should be neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. I've heard, you've heard, we've all heard jokes about hell. Have you heard this? When I die, I'm going to join all of my friends in a party in hell. But I tell you that hell is no joke. You see, when you joke about hell, you joke about the judgment of God. And when you joke about the judgment of God, you are joking about God himself. And when you joke about God, you take God's name in vain. Now, you know, the word vain literally means frivolous, empty, flippant. That is not only that we are not to take God's name in a filthy way, we're not even to take God's name in a flippant way. What does that mean? That means Jesus Christ is not Jesus Christ's superstar. He's Lord. That means God is not the man upstairs. He is a holy, righteous God who will one day judge this world in righteousness. Then the letter C, perjury. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 48.1, Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and have come forth from the wellsprings of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth or in righteousness. You know, a person stands before a judge in a courtroom with his right hand lifted up toward heaven, and he promises to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. He is, in other words, swearing by the name of God that what he's about to say is true, and he calls God as his witness. But if that person breaks the oath and lies, what the court calls perjury, God calls blasphemy. Leviticus 19.12 states, You shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Let me add that you can also commit perjury not only by what you say, but by the way you live. 
Jesus said in Luke 6.46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? A Christian is someone who belongs to Christ. He has taken it for himself, the name of Christ. So therefore, if you call yourself a Christian and yet not really live like one, his profane, you are profaning his holy name. You know, during a great battle, a familiar story about Alexander the Great, who was exhorting his troops, trying to rally them to victory. And he noticed one man appeared to be deserting and running away. He caught up to him and he said, What's your name? And the man said, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great looked at him and said, What did you say your name was? The man said, My name is Alexander, just like yours, sir. Alexander the Great asked, Were you deserting? The man said, Yes, sir. Alexander the Great got off his horse, walked over to him, looked at him face to face and said, Soldier, either you change your conduct or you change your name. Be a Christian or change your label. Thirdly, in your outline, consider the proper declaration of God's name. I want to turn the coin of this commandment over and look at the other side. Negatively, this command says, don't use God's name in the wrong way. Positively, it says, use God's name in the right way. You know, in our text, the word take literally means to lift up, to exalt, to magnify. That is, we are not to lift up God's name in vanity. We are to lift up God's name in victory. And the only way to do that is to understand what God's name really declares. First thing you're outline, consider the letter A. His name declares salvation for the soul. The angel said to Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the Greek translation of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the God who saves. Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that is why the Bible says in Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, Why does that verse say to call on the name of the Lord, not just on the Lord? Because there are many who will masquerade as Lord, but if you want to get saved, you've got to call on the right Lord, and his name is Jesus. Secondly, Rodline, consider the letter B. His name declares strength for service. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So not only are we saved by God's name, we are to serve in God's name. See, God's name stands for authority. If I sign my name on a check, I'm giving the banker the authority to take funds out of my account and to pay the person who bears that check. 
When a policeman stands up and says, stop in the name of the law, his strength, his power, his authority is not found in himself. It is found in the law. And therefore, all that we do, we are to do in the strength, in the power, in the might, and in the name of Jesus. Then the letter C, his name declares security for the saint. In the book of Proverbs 18.10, we are told, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. See, the name of God is security for the believer, for the saint. It will shelter you when the rains of trouble are falling, and it will shield you when the winds of adversity are blowing. In closing, please consider what is the right use of God's name. We are to declare his name in our professing. Everywhere we go, we take the name of Jesus and we share the name of Jesus and we preach the name of Jesus and we live the name of Jesus. We are to take his name in prayer. We are to take his name in praise. We are to give to the Lord the glory due his name and worship him as we often sing in the beauty of holiness. Our God is a great God. Amen. Well, service is over. I'm sending you all from this place of worship to remember, not just this week, but for your whole lives. And that is that his name is a great name. It is a name of grace, a name of goodness, and a name of glory. And may the name of the Lord be forever be honored and hallowed forever and ever. Amen. I'll see you next week.